the Bible Study Podcast, episode 689. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Genesis with chapter 44. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with this story of the second journey of Joseph's brothers to see him in Egypt. And so last time they came back, they brought his full brother, Benjamin, the youngest of the 12, even though their father didn't want to send him because he is now the favorite son, having lost Joseph. And so they are forced to bring him by hunger. They basically need to send Benjamin or they will starve. And of course, if they didn't go, they would also lose Simeon. But Israel was willing to do that, or Jacob was willing to do that. But they're there, they're eating dinner with Joseph, and all seems to be going well, but then this happens. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house, fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said." As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them, but they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servant to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouth of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die. And the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave the rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning from the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this they tore their clothes, then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now, my Lord's slaves, we ourselves, and the one who is found to have the cup. But Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Then Judah went up to him and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of our mother's sons left, and his father loves him. 
Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. But we said, We cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, He has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father." That is where this story ends, but it is obviously only where that story ends in this particular chapter. We're going to continue on with the rest of this story, but in this part of the story, Joseph is putting a test before them. He is basically challenging them with this problem. Now, you might wonder (laughs) if you were them and you had this thing where you went back home and found that the silver that you thought you had left was in your mouth of your sacks that you might want to Look in your sacks before you go, but apparently they are less suspicious than I am, perhaps, would be the right thing to say. So they leave, and Joseph has had his servants plant, one, their silver in their sacks again, has not taken their money, but also has taken this cup, this this precious cup that he says is used for divination. We don't even know if Joseph does any divination, but how would they know that? And he has taken that and he has placed it in Benjamin's sack. The brother, the full brother he has, the one he knows is precious to his father. And I think he is doing this to see how they will react. Now, remember that when we left Israel, when we left Jacob, Judah promised that he would bring back Benjamin. He would promise he'd bring back Benjamin or he would take the guilt of it. And we have to remember that it was Judah that came up with the idea of selling Joseph into slavery. Now, to be fair, he said, what will it gain us if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? So he said, let's not kill him, as some others were wanting to do, Uh, not Reuben. Reuben was trying to have him put in a cistern and was planning on getting him out again, the oldest brother. But Judah came up with this idea, let's not kill him, let's sell him. But now Judah is the very one who says to Israel, I am going to pledge my life basically for Benjamin's. 
I'm going to be guilty if we don't bring him back. And so as they come back, they tell this story all over again that if they bring if they come back without Benjamin, that Israel will die. Their father will die. And so Judah now is the one who stands in between, who intercedes with this man who is as powerful as Pharaoh, who he does not know is his brother. And he says, let this guilt, let this punishment for Benjamin fall on me instead. Instead of Benjamin becoming a slave, I will become a slave in his place. And that's where we end in this particular chapter, is with this offer by Judah. Now, it's interesting to note that Judah is not the oldest brother, but he is certainly showing leadership at this point. In fact, it says Judah and his brothers go back. Well, it's really Reuben and his younger brothers, but Judah is the one here who steps up and says, let me take leadership in this situation. It'll be me and not Benjamin, right? Well, it will be of the house of Judah that King David will come. And so this is not the last time that someone from Judah's line will take control, will take leadership. In fact, Jesus also will be born of the house of Judah. And so at this point, Judah is interceding, is standing in between the punishment and the guilty as far as he knows in the same way that for us, the descendant of Judah, Jesus, will stand in between God and us and take the punishment that we are due. So that's one of the things that we can get out of this chapter, is that this may be a subtle foreshadowing of what is going to happen. Or it's just Judah having learned something from the guilt that he has been carrying for all these years and not wanting to do it again. We don't know. But in any case, where we're now in this situation where an offer has been made, and next week we're going to deal with Joseph's response to his brothers. Is there anything else that we can pull out of this before we go away? It's a little hard to say because we're kind of in the middle of this story, right? We don't yet know why Joseph is doing what he's doing. At least we don't know for sure. We can guess. We can guess that he is testing his brothers, but that's really going to depend on how it turns out, right, to know what's going to happen here. The one thing that I have to wonder is I said it may be guilt, maybe it's love. Whatever reason, what reason would Judah have for basically sacrificing himself. Is it for his father whom he loves? Is it for Benjamin? I think it's more likely to be from his father that certainly the words that he's using is, this will kill my father. And he had at one point, remember, promised his sons instead of the place of Benjamin, although that wasn't the deal they left with. So perhaps he is protecting his sons as well. But it seems to me it has to be pretty great love that brings someone to the point of making this sort of offer. Someone who is looking around at someone near him or those near him and saying their well-being 
is more important than mine. And I think that is a useful lesson for us. Now, obviously, Judah has some things to answer for in terms of what he did before, as do they all. But I am reminded of Jesus' words that greater love has no one, greater love has no man than who will lay down his life for his friends. And I think that is what Judah is doing. And so this is an act of love. Whenever we put what others need in place of what we want, that is an act of love. And I think of that now because I'm recording this in the middle of, you know, a pretty horrendous time in the middle of a bad pandemic where we're asked to make sacrifices. And really, we're asked to make sacrifices. And we as Christians should take a leadership role in that because we understand that that is an act of love. And we are called to sacrificial love as Judah was and as Judah's descendant, Jesus, absolutely was. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.